did not feel that helping these men was any different. They were suffering horrendously. And I'm hoping the public can see that, and I'm hoping I have the same support, or the law change has the same support. Those men would have ended their own life if they could. I think that judging from the uh, uh, judging from the reactions that are referred to on social media, they would feel that it's completely consistent in the same sympathy and understanding. Yes, please. Um, gentlemen, you said interrupt at any time with yes. questions. Who laid the murder charges against? Thank you, Sanjay. Who laid the murder charges against you? Uh, the initial murder charge was laid by someone close to Amit Berger. There was a five-year time lag between helping with Andrew and being arrested. And, and the question is, what happened in, in those five years? Why did they, they knew about it? They knew about what's wrong. What is that? What has happened there? That's part of the question. Yeah, yeah. Um, in terms of Amit's death, his closest relative was his mother, who was very supportive, very helpful, very close to me and Amit. The charge to the police was made by somebody else who was not a blood relative. And that started the investigation. Otherwise, yeah, it would not have been made public. And just for your knowledge, I think some people know I did go public about Amit Berger's death. I can tell this group the reason I did that is because my arrest was imminent. So I went public and People probably wondered then why I'm going public about it. That was the reason. The police were on my door then. Then they didn't arrest me for five years. And the question is why? I don't know the answer. That's a very good question. We may come back to that because Sean and I have talked about some sinister forces that some of them we can identify with high degree of probability. And people who feel so strongly about the cause that we should not help people who suffer terminally, who, 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 who suffer, may not be terminal, but who suffer and want to end their life because they think death is preferable to the kind of life that they lead. Ramon San Pedro stayed with his parents for 20 years, and then he reached a point where he said, I cannot do this for another 20 or 30 years. And his friends came and helped him and took him away. He tried to get the, the Spanish authorities to help him. And that, that's the intriguing thing is that some people think that you ought to live despite your suffering and despite your own preferences, despite your own uh, loss of dignity. And by the way, what puzzles me is that we're so callous about the loss of human life in other spheres of society. Just take one instance. Um, uh, initiation schools in, in the Eastern Cape and, and, and in the Northern, uh, in Kumalanga. At least 30 to 35 young Men of 16 years of age die annually. And it happens every year. Every year they say we should control it. They die because of sepsis following circumcision. It's a footnote. But should Sean help somebody who's in dire distress, then he's pursued. And he ends up in uh, uh, a criminal record. Okay. Um, Sean, for you to have going through the whole journey that you have recently over the past three years, somebody had to pursue you, they had to arrest you, you had to appear in court, you had to be found guilty of a, of a crime, and you had to serve your sentence. 
Do you, do you feel any anger and resentment, say, towards the police and, and the courts? That, that's a good question. Many angles to that question. Um, I certainly feel no anger towards the police. The way they handled me is the way they handled anyone else who had broken the law. They were instructed to follow the law. And in terms of the court, I have no resentment either. They followed the book, the court book, and applied the sentence. In this case, it's more lenient than it could have been. They caused me no anger at all. I'm very disappointed with the politicians for not engaging in the debate. They've had plenty of opportunity, and every opportunity they've resisted and fought back against a possible rule change. And I refer to the appeal and the Robin Strength from Ford case. And indeed, the case coming up, Dieter Hark and um, Sue Walter well, withdrew. The, the politicians are fearful of engaging in a subject that is not a vote win. It's too controversial. And what kind of country allows this elderly, this terminally ill, to suffer so horrendously because the issue is too controversial? And it is our country. Other countries around the world are changing the law. During my time on house arrest, New Zealand, Australia, Spain, Austria, all changed the law. Prior to that, Canada, and we all know about Switzerland and the Netherlands, with the leaders in this. South Africa is doing nothing, making no attempt to change the law. So, yeah, I don't feel any resentment to the police. Well, one more angle to the police, I'd like to add, than human beings. They've got mothers and grandmothers and fathers and grandfathers. They understand the issue as well. And they have an opinion. They're not allowed to share it with the prisoners. Or me, I was referred to as a prisoner, even on house arrest. But very often, I've got a wink and a nudge of support. Very often. And they're very good police out there as well. And I might mention, there is one here, uh, one of the people in that area, who's a guest very supportive, who gave me a really good wink and a nudge when I was cleaning toilets. Yay for the police. <laughs> I want to ask you to stand up, but she's a wonderful woman. Thank you for coming. I don't think I need the mic. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> um, voice. I have a question. It's quite a specific legal um, and political question. Considering the fact when Mokwen Mokwen was appointed to the Constitutional Court judge, he was deemed as being quite a traditionalist and quite religious. We now have someone who is considered less so. And I just wondered, you mentioned the Supreme Court of Appeal, I, I think, or Supreme Court, and I just wondered at, at what point you think the term that we have at the moment with our current Constitutional Court judge, although he has a term and a half left to go, I think, um, if you think that this might make its way to the Constitutional Court now, and if you think it might be, at least from a Concord point of view, if not from a political point of view, the right time. Sure. I'll start with an answer and then head over to them. Um, you will recall Robin Strantham Ford, terminally ill, having a, a dreadful death, applied for an assisted death, and it was granted the High Court. He, he did die the same day, but the legal judgment stood. The government appealed their judgment and was overturned at the Supreme Court of Appeal. Our big mistake at Dignity SA was not continuing to the Constitutional Court. We now have another courageous gentleman I'll introduce you to later, Dieter Haag. His application is already before the High Court. That, should we fail, should he fail rather, it will go to the Supreme Court of Appeal. Should he fail in his request for an assisted death, 
we then go to the Constitutional Court this time. And they define their decisions on the Constitution. We're considered to have one of the most lenient constitutions in the world, where the theme of it is dignity and life. Dying is part of life. Your death is one of the most important days of your life. And it should be celebrated with dignity, with your family. And we believe we will win at the Constitutional Court. Willem Mandelman is an expert on this. Um, just quickly, you know, the uh, Stanson Ford uh, Constitutional uh, uh, Supreme Court of Appeal case, five appeal court judges, a full bench, said several significant things, although the appeal was upheld, and in a sense, Stanton Ford's um, estate lost the appeal case. I think what is embedded in there is very significant. The, the appeal court said, amongst others, that there's a deficiency that has to be rectified. That if a proper case, in other words, not an urgent application, but a case where all the facts are put on the table and there's time for, 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 for reasoning in, in a calm atmosphere, if that happens, the court can foresee that we'll follow the Canadian route. In other words, the court will tell Parliament it's your duty to write a law that, um, in effect, legalizes, decriminalizes assisted dying. The court cannot write that law, but the court can tell Parliament to do that. And if the court fails to do that, one can appeal, as, as, as uh, Sean has said. But it talks about a deficiency and that it will change. In other words, the uh, common law, which says that what Sean has done is, 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 a, is a crime, will be developed. I don't like the word change. It will be uh, developed. In other words, we'll, we'll follow the, uh, the Canadian the Canadian group. Just by the way, uh, a friend of mine was old university friend who was on, on the Constitutional Court at the time of the uh, Stratton Ford appeal uh, in Bloemfontein, was very disappointed that we didn't appeal to, um, to the Constitutional Court this, despite what the Supreme Court uh, of Appeal had decided, that we didn't appeal to the Constitutional Court. But our advocates had lost the appetite uh, because it was, it was a damning, in a sense, a damning uh, 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 Verdict, um, and it would cost money. I mean, it cost a considerable uh, sum of money to appeal, but, but we'll, we'll circumvent it uh, this time. Yes. Can I, are you, are, am I going to interrupt your yep. train of thought? Um, so, as I'm like listening to all of this, the, the, the irony seems obviously that they put you in house arrest, forbid you. I mean, we really jumped up and down to try and put embargoes on this book. There was a lot of planning behind the scenes mm -hmm. so that we wouldn't put Sean into a position of danger mm -hmm. by bringing the book out the day before he's allegedly not supposed to have a voice. Mm -hmm. Then suddenly the 20th on Monday comes, you, you go to court, you get your freedom. Mm -hmm. And the outpouring of media, I mean, I haven't quite seen anything like this in a while. Zondo Commission's just been like <laughs> lying on the side somewhere this week. You've had a huge amount of support from the media. Every single media house that could possibly be involved has been involved. Do you not find it ironic, both of you, that, that in actual fact the cause has been given a huge boost um, with the free, freeing of Sean and that if he had not had been um, put under house arrest, it might have just been dibbling along the way. So it, it, in fact, this is maybe a great victory for the cause. 
I, I did not want to be in the media, so I really don't. Um, it did catch me by surprise, big surprise. Um, I understood in New Zealand, quite, a, quite an interesting, compassionate story. Even when I came back from New Zealand from house arrest, quite a good story here. Finishing house arrest, I, I didn't really think there'd be any media interest at all. But the media is interested not because of me, but because of the thread I provide in terms of the, the terrible law we have, that we allow people to suffer. Because everyone in the media has a mother and a grandmother, you know the story, we've all experienced it in some way, as we've got a bit older, maybe not when we're young. And only when it enters your life, you realise how important it is. And I think everyone in the media that was there has got a story to tell of their own. My story gives it a hook to keep it going. And that is why I'm not walking away from the cause. I want to be sitting at home with my family, playing games, watching Netflix. But when I'm that man, I want to be at peace with myself and not ashamed of what I didn't do. And walking away from the cause would be the wrong thing to do. That's why I'm going to keep going, even if at times it's quite uncomfortable <laughs> sitting in front of the media being photographed. Thank you, Sean. Um, on Monday, there's this the Dignity SA people at the court, uh, the publisher, your family weren't there. I'm delighted to see Raymond and your three children here tonight because your family were also the victims of what you have had to suffer. And um, I would ask you how. Maybe I should ask Ray, but I want to ask you, how have you coped? Uh, because your children, I, I, I saw them before and I saw them after they've grown. They, they, they've gone through phases of youth. And, and, and in a sense, you were an absent father, although you were in the house. I mean, that's the irony. So how, how have they coped? And how, does, how do things look looking ahead? I think it was difficult for the children. At different stages. Um, the obvious one was house arrest. Suddenly we can't do things as a, as a family. For three years there are no memories created outside of the house. And my poor daughter, Fia, wanted to go to a park and go for an ice cream and do this and that. Suddenly we couldn't do it. Um, and they're confronted with issues that children of their age shouldn't have to deal with. The boys are a bit older, they're 12 and 13. They were three years younger at the time, dealing with issues like murder. And we had to be quite frank that I was probably going to go to jail. There was almost no doubt about it after my arrest. The reason being, the charge was premeditated murder, and the new law, uh, well, pretty new at that stage, was a, it was a mandatory life sentence. No discussion. Mandatory life sentence. Not 10 years, 20 years. Life in jail. Then, poof, another murder charge. And another murder charge. Each premeditated murder. We had the top lawyers in the country working for Dignity NSA. I had an outstanding lawyer in Cape Town. Everyone said, absolutely no chance I was not going to jail. So, the children, yeah. We had to prepare them in the beginning, protect them, 
but ultimately we had to tell them, your papa is probably going to jail, it's very likely. And so, oh, well, we didn't do it quite like that, but started preparing them for life without me. My brother was going to come from England and help with the education. My dear friend Richard here was going to assist with education and, and his wife Helen, take them to a school near them. We were preparing for life in jail, yeah. So the, the kids were being introduced to concepts that they shouldn't have to deal with. And then a plea bargain, house arrest, all complex things. The father in the paper for having pleaded guilty to murder. Children asking questions at school. But throughout, we tried to keep them away from the media. That's why they went to the court at any stage. Now, they're at the book rooms. <laughs> they know what's happened. They're very wise, mature children. Even my eight-year-old daughter, Fia, tells the reporter, yes, my father helped his mother to die because she was suffering, and she understands it. She has a huge heart. She fully understands the concept of suffering, and helping my mother to die. They're very mature kids, each one of them. I think today the children are celebrating. Stand up and wave, yeah. please. Fia, welcome Today it's all over. I want to see you stand up and wave. Come on, Fia, wave everybody. Well, stand up. Today you can be seen and not feel any embarrassment, any shame at all about what your father's done. Because they were never sure, you know. They still think, hang on, Papa's charged with murder. We've watched enough Netflix movies to know that murder, murder's wrong and he's a criminal. It's not quite adding up. But now it does add up in their mind. They've got no doubt about it. And as I say, I'm going to continue to draw change because I, I want to be happy to be doing the right thing, to be the father that does the right thing. I think I answered this here. Just to end off this point, and I might, if I quote from page 74 of your book, and you cast your mind back to the time before uh, this, the sentencing, uh, the whole court case, you quote Rain saying the following to you. Remember, you acted out of compassion, not for personal gain. They can't send you to prison for that. And on the next page, we were dealing with each case, it would be dealing with a dying patient who begged to be helped, who saw death as preferable to the kind of life they were consigned to. So that was rain, that was you, you didn't expect this to happen because uh, Sean was acting on a laudable motive. It must have been a very great shock, and I'm just wonderfully pleased for you that you can resume your normal family life and that you've achieved something tremendous because the whole debate has progressed beyond belief, I think. And do not forget that this will be the context of Dieter Park's case. That the debates taking place in the media at the moment and the support would be the backdrop to the arguments that will be heard um, in September. Dieter, do you mind standing up? I know... Lynn will help you. As I've said, let me just say this while it is getting up. The law won't change unless somebody brings a proper case to the court. And Dieter is at the moment in the middle of such a court case. Evidence was heard last year.
created by, by Flynn, standing with him every step of the way. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, let me just, I forgot my watch, but I can, I can switch on my phone. Okay. Uh, I was I'm just talking about Ray before you read it. It's 22. Yeah. I, I, I can see. Um, uh, Ray, Ray is media shy. She won't take the mic. But I'll just say, every death, uh, every uh, murder I was convicted of, at the time, she knew everything. It wasn't a secret. I told her what was happening, why I was doing it, and absolutely agreed. Came back, after Richard Holland's death, how did it go? Was it peaceful? How's the family? She supported me out of humanity. And that might not always happen in the family, when the husband does something like this, risking breaking the law. She supported me absolutely. Good courage, so thank you. Thank you.